All right, you've sat through it long enough, but I, I want to tell you kids, as you go down, uh, your parents, they were watching this and they were thinking, yeah, that's how kids are, right up until they saw the scene with Papa Bear and that it got real, real quick. <laughs> uh, but you guys can go ahead and go down to junior church, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today is, is envy. We're, we're talking about these seven deadly sins. This, this idea of the green-eyed monster... This idea of the green-eyed monster has, has found its, its place in, in popular culture now. We all kind of are aware of that. And, of course, the Berenstein Bears are and made a whole episode uh, according to that. But this, this idiom of the green-eyed monster was actually coined by William Shakespeare. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, in his play Othello back in 1604, and there's a little bit of debate on which one of his plays, but this idea of this green-eyed monster is... From Othello back in 1604, Jealousy and Envy, and he says, Oh, beware, my lord of jealousy, it is a green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. And then he goes on with the rest of his play. Now, in the English language, uh, the terminology of jealousy and um, envy are often very synonymous with one another, okay? And that's probably in most contexts that we use it, probably okay, but I, but I want to define them for you so we can have kind of a, a differentiation because, and it's important that we do that because we are about to, we are about to see where scripture talks about envy as a sin, and yet you all who are good Bible scholars would say, okay, but if you're going to equivocate jealousy and envy across the board, then does that mean that God sins when he says things like, I am a jealous God? And so that's a question we have to deal with. And so I, I want to just give you a quick definition of them. Jealousy can sometimes be a good thing um, if it is handled correctly. Uh, in the English language, um, envy is a state of ill will towards someone because of some real or even perceived advantage or experienced uh, by such a person. Jealousy is uh, where we desire that which should be attributed to us rightly that is attributed to somebody else. So a very clear example would be if, uh, if I saw my wife kiss another man on the cheek, I would be jealous, and that would be right jealousy, right? Um, but envy is something different. Envy is a perceived wrong of what you feel. So envy is, I'm jealous because I don't have what you have, uh, Proverbs 27.4, which is our main proverb for this, uh, wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? And then the text that is the back of that text is really uh, found in uh, Exodus 20, verse 17, where it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And so this idea of envy and covetousness go hand in hand. It's not exactly the same as jealousy, because jealous, jealousy can sometimes be a right thing. So am I, am I covering that enough to where you're okay with, where it says in Scripture that God was a jealous God? He's jealous for that which belongs to him. God is not envious. Envy and wrong jealousy is obviously a sin, and envy, I would say, is always a sin. Does that make sense? And so the posit that I'm going to make is envy will always undermine the unity of the family of God, whether that's corporate family or whether that's small family. Envy always undermines that. 
And so I want to talk to you today about one of the seven deadly sins, envy. There was a, an envious man who found a, uh, a genie lamp, <clears throat> and, and he, he rubbed the genie lamp. He was so excited, and this genie came out. And he said, I'm going to grant you three wishes, but because you are an envious man, whatever you wish for, I'm going to give twice that amount to the man who you most envy. And he was discouraged by this, and he thought about it for a minute, and he says, okay. So the genie said, so what's your first wish? And the man said, I, I, I want $100 million. And the genie said, okay, but I'm going to give twice that amount to the man you envy most. He says, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And then uh, he thinks for a little while, and he says, okay, I, I know what my next wish is. He says, I, I want my, uh, my wife to, to, to be the, the, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And he says, okay, that's fine, but... Uh, just so you know, I'm going to give twice. And he says, yeah, 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 I know. Okay. Um, and so he grants that wish. And so he thinks for a little while longer. And he says, all right, Jeannie, I know what my third and final wish is. He says, what will it be? And he says, I would like you to beat me half to death. da I know, it'll take you a little while. You guys got to drink more coffee. <laughs> or, or you guys could just have a better uh, comedian up here. Let's, uh, let's pray. We're going we're gonna to ask God to redeem that joke and our time as we look at envy. Uh, God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We, uh, we want to be students and scholars of it, yes, but we also we want to have our hearts changed by it. We, we don't want just to understand what your text says about jealousy and envy. We want our hearts to have envy removed. We want for you to do the work of showing us where it is, where it abides, so that you can transform it, so you can change it. Lord, we understand that Christ has died for our eternal state, but also for our earthly state, that we would continue to be sanctified by your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would do the work in us, God. Help us to see that, snuff it out, repent from it, turn to you, and give us contentment and love and affection. We ask for you to do the work that we cannot do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we begin, uh, we kind of did a, a quick definition of, of den, uh, envy, but, but what is envy? What, what does envy look like? How does that work? Well, firstly, envy is a sin that produces confusion. It, it talks about that in, in James 3.16. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. You, you see, when we are envious of others, we are confused about what is the main thing. We don't keep the main thing the main thing. You've heard the saying often, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And then you get over in there and you often find that they have just as many weeds as you did in your own garden. Uh, envy is also a, a sin that kills. Look at Job 5.2 if you have a copy or if you want to look on the screen. I gave you, I hope if you're a note taker, you've got a list of some of the scriptures we're going to go over. I thought maybe that would be helpful to you as we're going to cover quite a few and we're going to cover them quickly. Job 5.2 says, surely vexation kills the fool and jealousy slays the simple. Just like last week when we talked about pride, envy, it calls itself a green-eyed monster. And when he said it, it, it uh, how did he say this? It, um, it doth mock the meat it feeds on. And unfortunately, brother, the, the, the meat that it feeds on is, is you. Often uh, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about all the work of the flesh, all this toil, all this afterlife is really out of envy, you know? We have this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. And the Joneses are supposed to be the people next door, right? Is that a, is that a, is that a I'm sidetracking, is that a um, Leave it to Beaver 
Was his, the, was the, where did that idiom come from? Somebody can tell me later, or I'll Google it or something. Sounds right. We'll say it's Leave it to Beaver. So you're keeping up with the Jonesons or the Jetsons, maybe, depending on which family you live next to. Uh, but, but the point of that is, is we, we don't even necessarily, are, are you praying for the Jonesons? Are you inviting them in? Are you inviting them to church? Are you sharing the gospel with them? Or are you simply trying to have the same kind of car that they have and house that they live in or bikes that they drive or clothes that they wear? Uh, Envy is a sin that rots you from the inside out, Proverbs 14.30 says. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Sounds pleasant, right? So I want to give you some illustrations of envy and, and I want to warn you that um, t- two things. One, I am not sovereign. God is. And so I trust, I trust his Holy Spirit to be able to prick our hearts where they need to be pricked. But the second thing that I, I want to give you is to say that some of these might be you. And if so, they might hurt this morning. And I am sorry for that, but we need to discuss them. So here are some illustrations of possible envy. They're married and I'm not. Envy is this idea of saying, well, look at them. They've got nothing better going for themselves, and they found a spouse. How come I can't? There's envy there. Or they have a good marriage, and we don't. Well, brother or sister, let me tell you, you don't know what happens outside of Sunday morning. <laughs> on Sunday morning, we all are shiny and fresh, and we all smile and put on a good face, right? And you ask somebody how they're doing in the grocery store. I am great, right? Or I'm blessed, or I'm better than I deserve, you know? And all those are good answers, but envy comes into our hearts and we say, look, they have a good marriage and we don't, and why is that? We deserve that and we're jealous and we're bitter towards them. Or, or they have children and we don't. And I can understand the sorrow of that. But I want to ask you this morning, has sorrow transformed in your heart into bitterness and envy towards those who do, or, or maybe it's our child is sick and theirs is not. Or, I play second string while that jerk plays first. Or, I've been passed over for raise and recognition while they seem to continue to move forward. or one that our world tries to shove down our throats, they're better looking than I am. And I told you I was going to touch on some that are going to sting, and that does not leave me out of it, and so maybe it's their church is growing faster than ours. Or maybe it's even more individual, and it's, man, they're listening to other preachers and teachers other than me. And so envy and covetousness and this desire for sinful jealousy, uh, what does that look like or what is it? That's how we define it. It's any of those things that we desire for ourselves and we're actually embittered or angry or don't rejoice in the blessings that other people get because we think they shouldn't have those blessings, I should have those blessings. 
So where does envy come from? Well, no surprise to you. The, the answer to this ultimately is from your hearts, right? From our hearts, from my heart, from your heart. Uh, it doesn't come from the world. The world might tempt us in those things. It doesn't come from Satan. We talked about that with pride, right? So these are all going to be very similar through all of these seven. But where does it come from? Uh, it comes from our own carnality. First Corinthians 3, 3, 4. Uh, if you are still in the flesh, for while, you, while there is jealousy... And strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human way? You see, the fruit of the Spirit is one thing, the fruit of the flesh is another thing, and if we are bound up in bitterness and envy towards those around us, then, beloved, that is a work of the flesh. And it's a work of the flesh because our, our desires are not being fulfilled. And our desires may be sinful if you go to James and you see what he has to say about it. it Envy also stems and comes from basically our, our unbelief. Look at Acts when it says that these Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, they set the city in an uproar, they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So these who did not believe in Jesus, they did not want the gospel of Jesus going forward. And do you know why? Because it took away from their power and their authority. They were the religious elite, and these new Christians are really shaking things up. And so the, the blessings that they are receiving through either public adoration, funds and tithes, through asking of wisdom or insight, through and being invited to the right parties or, or whatever this might be, uh, these do not want that. They did not believe in Jesus, and so they were jealous of this lost the plow, or they were, they were envious of these people of God. We are often envious because we do not believe that God is good or just, and that's really the bottom line. You think you deserve more than what you deserve, so you're envious of somebody else because you don't really truly believe that God is good and just, and he makes the rain fall on the, on the righteous and the unrighteous, and he gives every good gift to all those. We believe and think wrongly of ourselves that we are so good and so great and so wonderful that surely we are the ones that deserve these things. And actually, it steals from our worship too, but it comes out of a spirit of hatred. Matthew twenty-one seventeen through 18. So when they gathered, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they said, uh, or Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ. And Pilate makes this astute interpretation of the motivation of the crowd. So he foreknew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. You see, ultimately, if left unchecked in our hearts, envy will lead us to hate. So, like I said, Envy comes from our sinful hearts. This is in Mark 7, 21 through 23. Same as last week, same as the week before. All sin comes out of the heart of man. It's what makes us these uh, defiled creatures before a holy God. And so when does envy begin? Well, the root of all envy comes down to lust. And I don't mean sexual desire, although that can be part of it. I mean lust of the flesh, Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Or getting to the heart of it, maybe even more, James 4, 1 through 3, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet, there it is, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. 
And furthermore, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. We often are asking God for things that we don't even really need, or we're asking for things simply for our own benefit. We don't, we, let's just be real. How often do we ask for blessings for us for the sole purpose of blessing other people with them? It, it ought to be more, would be my guess. James 1, 14-15, which I don't think is on the slide. I don't know. Is it? Okay, I'll read it to you. You've got a Bible. You can write it in your notes, or you can just try to remember that. James 1, 14 and 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And so that's where... Envy begins with the lust of the flesh. And I want you to, in James at least, note the trajectory there. That this desire of our flesh, not a spiritual desire, not a holy, not a righteous desire, a carnal desire of our own hearts, of our own flesh, leads us eventually, it says, brings forth death. It begins when God has been forgotten. Look at Romans 1, 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they gave, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Just as glasses correct our physical vision, so the word of God, so the spirit of God corrects our spiritual and our heart vision. And when God is forgotten, we then also view ourselves wrongly. We view our neighbors wrongly. And I know that's the case because Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. But us, as Christians, we sometimes struggle with this green-eyed monster of envy. Yeah. It begins when we think more of ourselves than others. Scripture tells us, do nothing. So how many things? Nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. If that is the way that you are living, it cures envy. If I consider everyone more important than myself, if I prefer the other more than myself, when you get a raise, I rejoice. When you have children and I'm barren, I rejoice. When your marriage is blessed and mine is struggling, I rejoice. When you're healthy and I'm sick, I rejoice. This is what Jesus said when he said, love God and then love your neighbor. So how does envy affect the individual? Well, praise the Lord. He has given us myriad of examples. I will just go through several this morning. But in our text of the Bible, he tells us how envy affects people. And, I, and I'm just, spoiler alert, it's not good. You may have guessed that already. And maybe the horse is dead and I'm continuing to beat upon it, but, you know, it's my sermon. So, here we go. Uh, this is where it starts. Uh, uh, firstly, it caused Cain to kill Abel. Oh, that's not on there. That's a different one. But we'll get there. It caused Cain to kill Abel. If you have a copy, you can write down Genesis 4, 1 through 8. It causes anger and depression from Cain. Cain, why has your face fallen? If you, not, if you do not do good, will, it not go, will things not go well with you? Why was that all upset? Because his brother offered an offering and God liked that and he offered an offering and God didn't like that. And there's all kinds of theology behind all that and first fruits and all this heart condition and all those kind of things. But the envy that he has in his heart was what raised him up out in the field to go kill him with a stone. 
And that envy left unchecked gave root to the bitterness that left him unable to repent. When God asked him, where's your brother? He's like, I don't know. Am I his keeper? This is God you're talking to, you idiot. He already knows where. This is, this is, uh, this is not a question you need to answer, right? It caused Joseph's brothers to hate him. This is the text you have before you. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Or in verse 8, just a little while after that, his brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. It was out of envy. Especially, probably, just given human condition, the oldest son. And think about it. Historically and biblically, like he's the one who's supposed to get the, the lion's share of the inheritance. He's the one who's been doing the lion's share of the work around the house. He's the oldest one, right? He's the first one to be able to carry the milk pails, right? And so out of all of them, I mean, I'm sure there's a level of envy there. And this is familial em- envy. This is a perceived or even real wrong but they're magnified in that context. And I think that's part of the danger of envy. It's, it's often those who we know the best that we can be most envious of. Because if I, if I see a... Uh, now, now I'm, not, I'm not necessarily one who's uh, given to uh, envy of monetary riches. But also, honestly, like, I like nice stuff just like you do, right? So if I see this guy dressed to the nines, driving a sweet ride, okay? I think to myself a couple things. I think to myself, oh, he's dressed nice. Uh, he's, he's driving a nice car. And then I also think very shortly after that, right, because he probably makes a lot of money, right? And then if I'm also honest, I also think to myself, it would be nice to make that kind of money so I could have that kind of car, you know? But because I don't know him, maybe we assume, oh, he's probably really smart, and that's why he makes so much money. Or maybe he's got a really great job, and so that's why he makes so much money. Or, or he's just really, really good at whatever his job is, and so he makes that kind of money. But when I think of my brother, who I was, who I was raised with, I don't have a brother, so this is imaginary. When I think of my brother, who I was raised with, and I'm like, yeah, you're the idiot who used to uh, collect uh, you, you know, trinkets from the cat box. You don't deserve the raise. You don't deserve the extra money, right? Like, you, 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 you don't, it doesn't make any sense for you to get it, and therefore I deserve it more than you, right? And so it's often the people who we are closest to that when they get the blessings of God, it causes disunity. It caused Saul to desire to kill David. First Samuel 18, uh, 8 through 9, Saul was very angry. The saying displeased him when they were ascribing to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only a thousand. And what more can he have but the whole kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. And so we can have familial envy, we, we can have popularity envy, which is what Saul was doing here. This is causing Saul to compare himself to David in ways he ought not even to do for several reasons, if you know the text. Uh, one of which is Saul had already blown it. God had already told him he's, he's going to blow it. And God had already clearly then started to raise up David. It causes us sometimes, as a Christian family, to compare one another spiritually 
and envy the spirituality of others. And think of the foolishness of that. Anything we have is by God. Any maturity that any of us have been brought through is by by the Holy Spirit's work in us and the sanctification process and the things that God has brought us through. And, and, and by the way, you may not want to have went through the things that brought her to be such a patient woman in Christ. And maybe it's God's mercies that he has not allowed you to go through those things. And yet we have envy of those, those things. It caused the Jews to speak against Paul's teaching and contradict doctrine. It caused the Jews to actively seek harm of believers It caused uh, those who did believe to preach with wrong motives. That's in uh, Philippians 1.15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. And so this is when Paul's in prison and people are taking up the mantle and trying to grow their churches while Paul's in prison. It robs us of worship and joy and rejoicing of the things of God. It causes us to misuse and abuse God's word which is so utterly dangerous. It tempts us to focus on our differences rather than our identity in Christ. You see, just like all sin, it steals and destroys. It props up ourselves rather than leading us to selfishness. And so that's why it's dangerous, right? Maybe again, but... I want you to understand that envy is dangerous because it stagnates our spiritual growth. It causes you to burn out because you're so focused on other people's things and what you don't have that you're not actually focusing on the main thing, which is your relationship with Christ. Not just a religion, but a relationship with Christ and growing in Him, spending time with Him, pursuing Him. It stirs up evil obsessions in our hearts and it, it's not in submission to the word of God. It says, now the works of flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, there it is in another word, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see the danger in even some of these, what we might call secret sins? Because often envy is not something that ever manifests itself outwardly so other people can actually help rebuke you in that and grow you. Envy is often something that's insidiously internal, So, yeah, so how can we be cured? Well, first and foremost, we have to receive Christ. You have to understand that this sin, the sin of envy, is one that Christ has died for. Christ took this sin on the cross. And on the cross, he he took it to the grave with him, It is buried there, and after three days he raised from the dead, meaning that he has been victorious over all of those things that brought him to the tomb in the first place, which means, brother or sister in Christ, that if you receive Christ, if you don't know him, so I guess you're not quite brother or sister yet if if this is for you. If you haven't received Christ, then that is how you are cured. If you have received Christ, then live it out. Live out the gospel. Preach it to yourself daily. 
Don't just wait for me on Sundays. Preach the gospel to yourselves. It says in in Romans 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. And then he goes on in the next verse, he says, but instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You see, firstly, we have to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. The next thing we have to do is actually live in that acceptance as Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have to live in the understanding of saying, look, God is righteous, he is just, he is holy, he is sovereign and supreme. He can do what he wants to do with anybody or anything. And if so-and-so gets what I think that I deserve, well, then the answer to that must be, I don't deserve it or I'm not ready for it yet. So my, my perspective is skewed. Either I think too highly of myself or I'm not ready to receive that which I desire or think that I need. It helps us to walk properly. It helps us to make no provision. So when we are living in Christ, when we're putting on Christ, what we're doing is, is we're living in the Spirit. That's what that means. That's Galatians 5, 22 through 25, I think is what I have up there, which is just 25 for you. But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25 is what you see. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Living this out has to be a spiritual thing. Sober living in light of the gospel, we must crucify the flesh. And so I have a psalm for you, and, and, and they're going to click through it. And as they click through, I'm going to tell them which verse to go to. But this, this psalm, I'm going to give you six reasons of why having faith in Christ and living in the Spirit is, is better than the lack of faith and the doubt that causes envy. Are, are you ready? I'm going to give you six reasons for this. The first is in verse 2. So it says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Why? And he's going to give us reasons. One, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. They're not going to last forever. So you might be envious of that good-looking guy in that vehicle who's dressed to the nines and the vehicle's great. But you know what? That dude's going to die. (laughs) And then his car's going to rot and his clothes are going to go to goodwill because they're going to be out of style and his kids are not going to want them if he even has kids, right? And so don't envy things that are impermanent or people who are impermanent. Second one is in verse three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and, be, and, and befriend faithfulness. This actually means in the text there to feed on faithfulness or to find safe pasture. So don't be envy because if we trust in the Lord and just do good, then we are going to feed on the faithfulness of God. God is not going to let you down. Part of envy also comes from this, this, remember I said this lack of belief, this lack of trust that God's actually going to provide. Just trust him. And then it says, feed on his faithfulness. Allow him to pour faithfulness out on you. Uh, The third reason it's better to have faith than to distrust and then suffer envy. 
It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is where this text comes from. Maybe you didn't know that. I'm sure you're familiar with this statement. But there's a loophole here. This is not a genie verse. This is not to say, I'm just going to love the Lord so good that he's going to give me a vet. I love you, Lord. Where's my vet? That's not what this means. Vet is short for car vet for you who don't know. Corvette. Maybe I said it wrong. Car vet. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What should be your desire of your heart? If you're delighted in the Lord, it ought to be him. And he has told us by scripture, the more you come to him, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. And so why are we even envying people who are going to pass away, who are things that aren't going to pass away, when we have an inheritance? Remember Ephesians? We have an inheritance in the heavenly places. We have the same kind of inheritance that Jesus Christ himself has. Amen. That's a spot for that. Uh, Fourth, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the noonday. Fifth, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Sixth, verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So he says six times basically these two things. God has got you, and the things you envy are perishing. Like keep these things in perspective. He gives us this illustration in John twenty one, eighteen through twenty two. Is that on there? I don't remember what I put on there. That's good. Okay. So here's the story. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk. Oh, by the way, uh, this is right after he restores Peter after denying him. So this is when he finds him and they eat fish on the, on the land. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Okay, context, okay? But truly, truly, I say to you, so this is Jesus talking to Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. John gives us the understanding of this. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, this he said to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here's the envy. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, what Peter wanted to know is, okay, this is how I'm going to die. What about this guy? How's this guy going to die? And so the question that I have for you is, I guess, the same as Jesus had, which is basically this, is Jesus enough? Because really, that's the heart of all envy. Either Jesus is enough or he's not. So here's the good news. You ready? I've beat you up enough. What happens when envy is cured? Beloved, you know what happens when envy is cured? There's peace. There's freedom. There's contentment. And probably best of all, there's love. 
Look what it says. You hear this at weddings. People should practice it after the weddings, maybe too. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Here it is. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see, when envy is cured in our hearts, when we can say, honestly, Jesus is enough. Listen, the grudges of the past, they get to be forgiven. Because you understand that it is Christ that you are seeking. We get to experience Christ-centered contentment because everything we want is everything we have and it will never be taken from us and he guarantees us that for not only today, but for all of eternity. Amen. Amen. And so what happens when envy is cured is we experience the love of Christ in ways that otherwise our sinful flesh has kept us from, robbed us from. Because everybody knows that monsters, green-eyed or otherwise, they live in the dark and they have no fellowship with creatures of light. Let's pray that God would illuminate our hearts, would, would show us. Let's, let, let's pray and let's pray honestly that God would show us as we're going through this where our pride is, where our envy is, where the rest of these seven deadly sins, because they're the root of so many other things that God would truly show us where they are so that we could have him do the work of cleansing us. Will you you join with me as we pray? God, our Father in heaven, what we talked about today, some of this hits really close to home. Envy is a subtle evil, Lord. Because often envy is, is caused by what originally is a good desire. A desire for healthy marriages, a desire for healthy bodies, a desire for healthy children, a desire for enough provision to provide, a desire for all of these good things, a desire that you yourself has placed in us. And yet the the wickedness and the sinfulness of our hearts cause us to take those good desires, those good things, and, and, and transform them into something selfish and wicked. So God, as we struggle with those desires, help us to rest in you. Help our hearts to always proclaim Jesus is enough. And help us experience your love, your provision, your change in our hearts. And God, we ask that you would kill the green-eyed monsters in all of us the ones that we've exposed this morning and the ones that as we continue to meditate on this will be exposed tomorrow, next week, or or even next year. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you are love because we need you to be patient and kind. We need for you to bear all things. We need for you to endure all things. We ask you to do it for us, but also in us. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, let's stand.